Sin acknowledges and pays respects to the owners of the land, the house of Sin, and the studio stands, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sin also acknowledges and pays respects to the elders and traditional owners of the land our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the country. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Sports Desk on Sin. I'm Jacob, I'm joined today by Tom and a special guest for the moment, Jesse. How are we all? I'm very well, thank you Jacob. How are you on this fine Wednesday morning? A little tired, but I'm alright. You, Jesse? Uh, I'm, I'm still lingering. I got through get cereal, <laughs> so I know I'll be alright. Yes, we're very pleased to have you back. And what can you tell us about the latest soccer news? Yeah, so as I was doing in the news update, uh, of course, we had the two... UEFA Champions League, round of 16 second legs this morning. Uh, Red Bull Leipzig uh, coasted to victory over Tottenham Hotspur. It was not a good day to be Hugo Lloris at all. Uh, Two rather horrific blunders in the first half uh, really put the result beyond doubt before they were in the sheds. Um, The other game this morning was uh, Valencia entertaining Atalanta. Um, Atalanta, the Italian side, were looking to sort of keep this this fairy tale run going. I don't think many people expected them to qualify in the first place from Serie A last season. They got there, they got through the group stages, they massacred Valencia 4-1 in the first leg, so they travelled to Spain full of confidence. Uh, Very uh, end-to-end game today, they won it 4-3, I believe, so 8-4 on aggregate, eliminating Valencia, who were... You know, previously mainstays of the uh, of the competition, um, really, yeah, embarrassed uh, in Italy in the first leg and um, did not recover sufficiently. Uh, four goals to Ilicic this morning. Um, crazy season he's been having, scoring uh, every single one of Atalanta strikes today. Two first half penalties. Now, uh, UEFA have put an announcement out. Of course, coronavirus uh, sport has been far from immune to it. Um, Anyone who, of course, follows uh, any kind of European sport. There's a lot of stuff that's been cancelled in Italy. Um, the Serie A has been put off uh, this entire month. There will be no Serie A fixtures. And uh, the Coppa Italia semifinals have also been put off, uh, which involve the big four Italian clubs. Uh, so we're, we're not sure when all that will resume. It'll only be after April 3 at the earliest at the moment. But um, my concern right now is over the fact that because Atalanta have qualified for the quarters of the Champions League, likewise Juventus, I would think, would probably also do the same next week. Uh, what on earth we're going to do in the event that... Obviously, they've got a, it's two legs in the quarters. They've got a host at some point or other. Mm. Uh, one has to presume perhaps they would try and move it somewhere safer like Switzerland. Um, Mutual territory, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's it's very hard to tell. I feel like they'll have no choice but to go to a neighbouring country or something because um, it's it's a very unfortunate situation in Italy right now. They're being hit. Uh, the, the northern um, section of the country is just being ravaged. 
um, by this virus. As I um, mentioned in the news update, there were more than 160 deaths yesterday alone. Ooh. Horrible stuff. It but, is horrible um, stuff, yeah. Mm, very, very nice of Atlanta to progress. Mm. But, um, yeah, some major logistical concerns hang over the next uh, stage of the competition, I think. Mm. Mm. And we'll have more updates on coronavirus and how that's impacting the sporting world later on on today's episode. Jacob, that what else we have will. we got coming up? So we're going to start with some cricket talk, talking about the ODI series against New Zealand. Mm. Uh, we're then going to take a quick pit stop and talk about the <laughs> Melbourne Grand Prix. <laughs> we then have a, an interview, actually with a tennis captain from here at RMIT. Mm. Be excited for that. That's really exciting. We'll finish off the day with uh, a little bit of AFL news. Okay, then. You're listening to the Sports Desk on a Wednesday with Jacob and Tom. Jesse, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks. I I don't know if this is going to be a recurring thing or not, but it was nice being here, and I'll see everyone on Friday. Okay. See you then. Sin Media, where young people run the show. And it's time to talk about my favourite thing in the world. The ODI. <laughs> or just cricket or just in general. Or just cricket in general, even, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Um, now, this is also the first show we've done since the long weekend, which, of course, uh, played host to the 2020 Cricket World Cup Women's Final between yes. Australia and India. Well done to the Aussies, winning comprehensively. It's great to see. It is, absolutely. And they didn't break the record. We've been saying on the show that they probably will, but they fell just short of the worldwide record for attendance at a female sporting game. It's a shame, really. I did feel like they um, they had everything set to beat it, and uh, yeah, there's not much you can really say, but hopefully next time we do a big sporting event for the women, uh, people show up, and you know this is a great idea, I, I a great sign to get people in. Next time, absolutely they will. But mm. it's not all lost, because it's also the highest attendance at the MCG for a female sporting event, the highest in Australia for a female sporting event, and the highest for a female cricket game as well. We can only hope that gets higher and higher each year, or each uh, time we play, hey, play anything. Really. I'm confident. I'm pretty confident. Oh, as, as well. am I. Now, on to the cricket. The Australians have just finished their tour of South Africa, which means this is the men's team, which means they're coming home to play against New Zealand. That they are. Oh, dear. They they must be exhausted. I I can only imagine, to be honest. It's uh, travelling back and forth and having um, just back-to-forth sport and... And uh, it was in the Herald Sun yesterday, Justin Langer, the coach, even said that some of the players are feeling fatigue. Pat Cummins was rested in the final one-day international against South Africa. Mitchell Stark came home both to rest and to watch his wife play in the T20 World Cup final. Of course, Mm. he's married to Alyssa Healy. And, yeah, I I reckon it will be taking a toll, honestly. Yeah, without a doubt. And they don't really get much of a chance to rest, to be honest. No. They don't. It's kind of straight back into it. It is. It's straight back into it. I know that they've got less games coming up over the next few months than the lead up to the men's 2020 World Cup. But still, yeah, you've got a feel for them. Mm. You've got a feel for them. Now, the New Zealand squad has been announced for the upcoming One Day International Series. Yes, it has. And we have here Kane Williamson, the captain, Martin Guptill, Henry Nichols, Ross Taylor, Tom Latham, Tom Blundell, Jimmy Neesham, Colin de Grondholm, Mitchell Santner, Kyle Jamison, Ish Sodi, Matt Henry, Tim Southie, Lockie Ferguson, and Trent Bolt. Now, there's a surprise exclusion here in the squad. Mm, there's now, a couple of names. Yeah. Now, Neil Wagner, who was, or Neil Wagner, however you pronounce it, uh, he was playing against Australia in the Test Series earlier in the summer, and he took the most wickets out of any of the New Zealand bowlers, absolutely decimated the Australian attack. I would have thought he'd be a shoe-in for the one-day games, but apparently not. Yeah, no, it's a bit of a surprise, but... um. I can't imagine that they don't have a reason for it and they don't have something up their sleeve for it. I imagine mm. 
they know what they're doing here. It, it's possible, so. <laughs> yeah, that they're giving their younger players a chance. Maybe they're resting him after the games in India because New Zealand, they absolutely trounced India while they were touring just recently. So mm. I've got some of the results in front of me here. They won the Test Series, I believe it was... How many games did they play? So they played two Test matches. They won both of those. The one-day international series, they played three of those. They won all of them. Uh India actually won all of their 2020 games, but some of them they won very, very narrowly. Mm. So it's looking good for India at the upcoming T20 World Cup. But, um, yeah, they still can't get on top of uh, the Black Caps, it looks like. Yeah, everything to seem with the Black Caps just seems to be... Um Phenomenal, honestly. Yeah, which is even more extraordinary when you consider that the Australian team, they absolutely beat them over the summer. Mm. That's in the test games that they played here. You've got to wonder whether or not that was just a a lucky um, upset. Or maybe a blip, possibly. Yeah. Mm. uh, We can only hope we get more of it, to be honest, but... uh... (laughs) Well, uh, the Australian squad for the upcoming one-day series, it's unchanged since South mm. Africa, so we've still got Aaron Finch as the captain. Pat Cummins is sharing vice-captaincy duties with Alex Carey, the wicketkeeper. Yep. We've also got Ashton Agar, Josh Hazelwood, Manus Labuschagne, Mitch March, Kane Richardson, Darcy Short, Steve Smith, Mitchell Stark, Matthew Wade, David Warner, and Adam Zampa. It's a strong-looking team. And Very strong. has been since uh, South Africa. It has, indeed. Uh, they did lose all three of their one-day games against South Africa, though, mm. which does beg the question, are we going to see a repeat once they come back to Australia? I mean, obviously, they've got the home ground advantage. Uh, but... Yeah, as we mentioned at the top here, they are tired. They're a very tired team, so they might not be operating on all cylinders. We can only really hope um, that, you know, maybe they've had something wake them up mid-game or something, but um, no, I'm not, unfortunately, I'm not overly confident for this one. Well, the first one-day international is going to be held this Friday at the SCG. It's a day-nighter. There's going to be a second game on the Sunday, again in Sydney, and the third one-day international will be held on March the 20th, which is a Friday. It's next Friday, in fact. And it's going to be in Hobart. Ooh. It's going to be the first and only game, international game, which has been played at Hobart over this summer. Interesting. Even though it's not technically summer anymore. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, they get the short end of the stick, Hobart. I mean, they've got a world-class sporting venue, and the Australians rarely ever play there. Yeah, it's a shame, really. I mean... Um I guess it's not having the MCG as close as sorry having the MCG as close as as it mm. is uh, just makes it really hard for people to um, I guess choose that over if it's not free. Yeah, that's a fair point, I reckon. But I think another thing that weighs on people's minds is that Hobart, even though it is technically the second driest capital city in Australia, mm. all the rain always seems to affect the test matches. Yeah, that's um, a bit of a habit with uh, Hobart. Hmm. Unfortunate, but, you know, at least I get one game out of it this year. Yeah, it's something. We're on your radio. We're online. We're digital. We're everywhere. Sin Media. You are listening to the Sports Desk with Jacob and Tom. We've talked about cricket, and now it's on to motorsport, and in particular, the Formula One. Oh, yes. It's uh, always really exciting to see it come around. It Well, for most people, really. I mean, uh, it's not the most popular sporting event in Victoria, let's be honest. I mean, look, you're right. But for those who do care for it, mm. it is a great little thing to check out. I, I guess so. I mean, it's a four-day event and they shut down much of uh, Albert Park Lake to get everybody in there. Mm. 
Even and, if you're not a fan of the cars and the sport itself, the atmosphere, similar to cricket, is worth going for itself. Mm. And there's music events as well mm. that you can look forward to. Oh, definitely. It's um, something that I expect those on the hoist and mm. um, Get Serial would be talking about as well. I, I imagine so. Now, a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago even, we put out a Facebook poll asking people whether or not <laughs> they were excited for the upcoming V8 supercars season. And most of our respondents came back with a no now, it's a bit we, of a shame. It is a bit of a shame. We put out the similar poll for the Formula One, and uh, when I last checked, actually, it was leaning towards uh, positive. Yeah, it, it seems like most people are actually keen for Formula One. Yeah, I, 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 I can't imagine a specific reason, but maybe, maybe the events around it and surrounding it do help people get into it, I guess. It's possible, and also it is the premier motorsport event in the world, so Pretty that much. would you know, be a factor, for mm. sure. Now... Formula One, I must confess, um, I'm not particularly excited about this upcoming race on the weekend or the upcoming season because uh, it's dominated by one team and it has been dominated by only one team for the past couple of years at least, and that is Mercedes with Lewis Hamilton driving. And that, for me, just takes the excitement out of sport. Yeah, I mean, having any dominant side always does, but uh, that always makes the underdog win and the uh, other teams getting anywhere near it. Always super exciting. You can always say, uh, when you see, uh, foot, for footy, for example, if you see a team that uh, doesn't belong in the eight all of a sudden make its way into the four and uh, into the uh, semis and to the grand final, it's more exciting than, you know, if it was first v second. That's very true. Have you ever been to, like, a Formula One event or a racing event of any kind, Jacob? Unfortunately, I haven't had the chance. Mm. I must confess, I haven't either, but my sister went with primary school many, many years ago, and she said it was one of the most awful experiences she ever had. (laughs) Because at the time, the Formula One cars were using V10 engines, and they Mm. were incredibly loud. Yeah, I'd imagine that'd be a lot for um, for primary, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I reckon that'd be a bit too much for primary school kids. They would be, and she said that she put in earplugs and earmuffs over the top of them and she could still hear the cars oh, like, not surprised over at all. anything. In fact, she's now at university, my sister, and she's enrolled at VCA, the Victorian College of the Arts. And she said that last year, while she was practicing in a soundproof room, she could still hear the cars <laughs> around Albert Park going through all their testing and whatnot. So... They're loud. Yeah. They're very loud. If you are going, definitely bring some sort of sound protection, uh, ear protection. You will need it. Yes, you will. Absolutely. So, uh, Formula One season, let's um, have a look at the teams we've got this year. So, obviously, we've got Mercedes. They're the most dominant team. They're the front runners to win. Yep. Again. Ferrari. And then we have Ferrari, of course. Uh, Who's driving for Ferrari this year? Um, I am not 100% sure, actually. I'll see if I can find it. Uh, we will see if we can find that. But, uh, yeah, Ferrari, they, they had... Um, was it Sebastian Vettel they had driving for them last year, I think it was? Might be. Might be. But, but this is the thing. This is why Mercedes being dominant is a problem, is because everyone is just talking about Mercedes and they're not talking about any of the other drivers or any of the other teams. Mm. I mean, Daniel Ricciardo, possibly, uh, this is a really contentious thing to say, but the Australian driver, he's with Renault this year, as he was last year. He is possibly the best driver out there, but the problem is he gets put in absolutely rubbish cars that break down all the time, and he, and his team like don't give him the support. Oh, but yeah, it's, it's a real shame. Deserves. And this is like a consistent thing with Australians. I mean, Mark Webber before him, he mm. was the top driver for Red Bull, and then Sebastian Vettel became their number one driver, and there was a bit of rivalry there. And we also had Max Verstappen joining uh, Daniel Ricciardo at Red Bull. 
before uh, Ricardo was at Renault, and oh. Who's that other Australian driver? So in between Alan Jones and Mark Webber, there was somebody else, and the oh, name escapes me. But yeah, I know he, that you're on about, but I can't think of the name. Yeah, either. but he had an absolutely awful time mm. as well. So we'll get back to the teams, though. So we've mentioned so far Renault, uh, Ferrari, Red, Red Bull, Bull. Uh, uh, Mc- McLaren. McLaren apparently is, um, you know, a lot. A lot of people have said this could be their year, but uh, they said that last year and the year before as well. So I'm I mean, not they sure say about that. Every that. year, <laughs> they they do say that every year. I think since they got rid of their Honda engines they probably stand a better chance of uh, mm. leading the field but we'll see now red bull has a second team called no red bull is it red bull so racing points mm. is the team and there's a bit of confusion here as to whether they're mercedes second team or whether they're red bulls i think they might be mercedes second team it would make sense for a team that's been dominating for so long to uh <laughs> try and you know get a little bit more into that. And Red Bull were doing the same in the past as well. They had a second team, and it's through that team that Daniel Ricciardo, you know, got his start in Formula 1 and then mm. merged over to Red Bull's real team. Uh, Red Bull's secondary team this year is called Alpha Tuari. I think that's how you say it. Yes, probably. I know, not being Italian, I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> and and then, of course, we've got Alfa Romeo. Now, this may seem like a surprise to some people, but Alfa Romeo were once the most dominant team in Formula One when the competition started way back in the 50s, and they even won two Constructors' titles. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all, to be honest. I mean, um, they do have a great history with the sport. And we've also got Haas. And For, yeah, Haas fr- Formula One. America. So I didn't think the Americans could go around corners, but there you go. <laughs> and uh, finally, we've got the British team, Williams. They were also a very dominant team once upon a time, and now they're just here. Mm. And to answer, I think, uh, a question from earlier that we uh, missed, uh, the Ferrari drivers are Sebastian Vettel and Charles Leclerc. Leclerc. Yes, that sounds about right. Butchering that name, I feel. (laughs) (laughs) As we always do. So, Formula One is happening this weekend. There are events happening tomorrow. The Formula One cars won't come out until Friday. But uh, if you do head down to Albert Park and you want to check out some of the events, they will be having uh, the V8 supercars with their practice sessions. So, that will be happening at uh, 1.30 and... Also later in the day, at um, oh, is it just or is it just one thirty? No, sorry, beg your pardon. So it's at midday and one thirty. That's mm. happening. There we go. And they've also got the Porsche Carrera Cup, which usually acts as like a secondary event to the supercars as well. So there's plenty to look forward to. And if it is the Formula One cars you are coming to see, the first practice session is at noon on Friday. It's probably not worth asking this, Jacob, but what's your tip for Formula One this year? Um, I think I'm probably going to go with favourites and uh, say it's Mercedes, and I'm expecting uh, Lewis Hamilton to win. Okay, then. Well, you know what? I'm going to be really contentious. I think this could be Daniel Ricciardo's year. I hope so. He's the only Aussie um, in there at the moment. He is the only Aussie in there, and apparently Renault, they... So during pre-season testing in Spain, they solved most of their tech problems. He was actually giving Mercedes a run for their money. Oh, good. So good. I, re- I reckon you know he's in with a chance. And James Worth, actually, who's a fellow presenter here on the sports desk, he says, or he told me rather when we first met, that it's not about who comes first or second in Formula One. It's about who comes next, like third, fourth, fifth, sixth. That's where the competition is. Mm. So that's why you should watch Formula One. James Worth says. I have to agree with him, to be honest. It's a really Mm. solid point. Okay, then. Sin, on your radio, on your TV, and online at syn.org.au. 
you are listening to the Sports Desk on a Wednesday with Jacob and Tom, and it's time for our very first guest of the season. Yes, very exciting. So we have uh, Jack Thiessen, the captain of the RMIT University tennis team. Hmm. Men's welcome. captain, we, we should stress. Captain, yes. 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 Welcome. Welcome, Jack. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. We're very to ple- have you. Yeah, very pleased to have you on the show. Now, first of all, can you tell us how you came to be involved with RMIT's tennis team? Yeah, well, um, obviously, I grew up playing tennis mm. and um, came to RMIT after I went to college in America mm. and saw that RMIT um, competed in uni nationals over on the Gold Coast. Um, and two years ago, I, I thought I would try try out for the team and thankfully got in and got to meet some really good people and play some competitive tennis. So, yeah, I got, I got into tennis at RMIT through the uni nationals program. Nice. And how did you come to uh, land the role of captain? Uh, I played, I've played two seasons now and... Um, I guess I, I wanted to try a leadership position within the team, so I applied, and um, Eliza from RMIT Sport uh, was good enough to, to let me take on the role. So, yeah, very thankful. <clears throat> Excellent. And um, one thing I've always been fascinated to know, because we have captains in the Davis Cup, among other tennis tournaments, how do you try to enforce your leadership in what is essentially an individual-focused sport? Yeah, it, it's a funny one. Like, tennis obviously is an individual sport, but mm. when we compete for RMIT, we're a team. So it's it's mostly about getting us to gel as, as a complete team mm. and um, really getting around each other on court, supporting each other in the most positive way and just trying to in, enjoy the experience, I think. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So you uh, very recently uh, uh, participated in the tournament over the weekend. Uh, how'd that go? Yeah, the Pac-7 tennis tournament that's um, just been launched and RMIT are competing in. Um, So our first round was last weekend. We played Saturday and Sunday. Um, Saturday we we played against um, UTS and we beat them 6-love, which was was good. And then Sunday we went down to University of Sydney 4-2. So it was a tough one, but um, yeah, good start to the weekend for us. And the women's team was playing as well, I understand. Uh, they lost to UTS, but they did win against Sydney University. Yeah, mm. yeah, they did. Um, really strong start for them. They they look good. They look That's good. excellent. Now, mm. so aside from you, Jack, uh, who else is on the RMIT tennis team? Um, so for PAC 7, mm-hmm. um, we've actually got three exchange students, funnily okay. enough, um, from Germany, Austria and France. Mm. All quite good players, um, which is really good, but they're only here for six months, so they'll play a pack seven with us, but um, yeah, they won't be playing nationals, which is a shame, but yeah, three really good internationals and then two Aussies like me. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you were mentioning the nationals there. When are they taking place and what kind of preparation are you doing for that? Yeah, so it's um, late September, early October. I can't remember exactly the dates. Mm. Um, pack seven's a really good opportunity to mm. prepare for that for us as a team. Um, just so we can kind of expose RMIT tennis and that it's a really good opportunity um, like Pac-7 to get involved as a team and and play tennis against all the other unis. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's a really good opportunity for us to get on on court and kind of compete as a team as a little warm-up, I guess, Mm -hmm. for nationals. And we've mentioned so far UTS, Sydney Uni, RMIT, of course. Who are the other universities playing in the Pac-7 tournament? Uh, so there's Bond mm-hmm. is the other uni from interstate. Yeah, and then, Western Australia. Yeah. yeah, and then we've got um, Monash, Melbourne, mm-hmm. um, I think 
Latrobe maybe as well. Okay. But um, yeah, it's quite a few. Most of the unis you'll see at nationals are competing in the tennis tournament here too. Mm-hmm. And who are you playing next in the Pac-7 tournament? Because I understand it's right throughout March. So yeah. yeah, who's your next opponent going to be? Um, I'm not sure actually. I mm. I haven't had a look at the draw. Okay. Um, I probably should know. Yes. <laughs> but we yeah, it goes to, through throughout March, pretty mm-hmm. much every Saturday and Sunday. So it's quite a big tournament. Um. But yeah, it's just really good, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose many of our listeners will be interested to know, Jack, how do you balance your tennis commitments with your university commitments? Because, of course, you are studying while also training for these tournaments. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, well, we have we have trainings for PAXM, we have trainings for nationals. It's not, uh, we don't train, you know, every couple of days. It's kind of, we train before our matches and we, we train maybe before nationals. We might train, you know, six or seven times as a group. So it's not a over over commitment it's it's quite easy to structure your studies around it we obviously try and communicate and train together as a group when everyone's available um but usually you know if you're playing tennis some of us are coaching we're all out on court anyway um but it's not super hard to keep your studies going and concentrate on that as well as playing tennis for rmit it's something you can still very much do Mm. This is the Sports Desk on Sin with Jake and Tom. We are currently chatting with Jack Teeson, who is the captain of RMIT's university tennis team. Now, while we were talking off-air with Jack in preparation for this interview, we learned an interesting fact about you, which was that you are, or were rather, a, a hitting partner at the recent Australian Open. How did you land that gig? Yeah, yeah, I was. Um, this is my third year doing it, actually. Mm. Um, I landed it through a connection... I have at the National Academy. I used to train there as a junior growing up um, in at Tennis Australia. So, um, yeah, I, I just got a call from them. They Every Australian Open, you know, players come and they want to practice before matches. They want to practice before the tournament. Um, they need people to do that with. Some players don't like hitting with each other mm-hmm. for whatever reason. So they need hitting partners. Um, so I got the call up to um, come and hit with some of the players. And thankfully, I was able to spend most of the tournament uh, this year with um, the women's finalist Gabinia Mugarutha. Mm. So that? that was a really good experience. Yeah, she she's very very focused player. <laughs> um, didn't speak a lot to her to be honest, mm. um, but yeah, very focused. Her coach is really lovely, um, but yeah, really professional player. Um, and yeah, she did really well. She made the final. So you must have pushed her hard. I mean, for <laughs> her to get that far, surely. Uh, I hit pretty well. It's I mean, if you're a tennis player, you know that. If you hit with better players, you tend to play better mm. um, just because the way they hit the ball, it, it comes on really sweet onto the racket. Mm-hmm. So I was able to hit pretty well. <laughs> um, but, yeah, she's a really professional player. Mm. Nice. So um, I think that's uh, just about all we have time for for you this morning, Jack. Um, but if you could tell us, um, is there anywhere we can go online to find more information about RMIT's tennis team? Like, have you got any socials or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, we don't we don't have Instagram, but um, we feature on the RMIT sport a little bit mm-hmm. at the moment with Pack 7 um, But if you want to register for even the remaining of Pack 7 or for Nationals campaigns, then the RMIT sport website is the best way to go. And obviously with the club tennis we've got as well so really broad um, opportunities for tennis at RMIT Excellent, so Jack Teeson once again thank you very much for joining us on Sports Mm. Desk this morning, all the best for the rest of Pack 7 and the upcoming Nationals, hopefully we can have you on again soon Yeah, Yeah. thanks guys, thanks for having me Not a problem Sin, where young people run the show We're going to talk about the AFL and the latest news regarding 
unfortunately, the coronavirus. Yes. Well, we got some good news as well because mm. the Fremantle Football Club, the Dockers, they had a scare over the weekend. <laughs> they thought that one of their players might have been carrying the virus. He's since come back negative. So Yeah, I, I don't remember the name because I don't follow uh, Fremantle as well, well actually, as I probably should. They haven't said the name. They haven't. But it's been leaked. Oh, um, has it now? Yes, it is a key player. Is it Nat Five? No. Okay. <laughs> if, if it was Fifey, it would have been uh, everywhere straight away. It would have been headline news in America if that had happened. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Australia, a top football player has contracted coronavirus. Oh, uh, it would have. You yeah, know, that would have been scary. But mm. um, I think the biggest thing coming out of this week, uh, more so yesterday, was mm. the AFL announcing that if the coronavirus situation was to get to a situation in which uh, mass gatherings would be banned. Mm-hmm. They would be prepared to play in empty stadiums. Oh, that I feel. I'm worried about that. I'm worried about it too, to be honest, Jacob. Because AFL, it very much is a spectator sport, and the TV coverage it relies so heavily on the crowd interaction. So you hear the cheering, the jeering, uh, every bump and tackle. You know, you're just along for the ride, essentially. Mm. And it's not going to be the same with, say, uh, uh, Bruce McAvaney or Brian Taylor and what have you commentating to in front of an empty stadium because that excitement's not there. Mm. I mean, it, there's a little bit of excitement in their voice, but there's with the crowd, it just amps it up to 11. Yeah, and I think one of the other things that's... Uh, well, two things come to mind, both... Um one, because stereotypically, uh, AFL uh, followers aren't exactly the most uh, rule-abiding um, people out there. <laughs> They're not, no, um, true. And I, I'm actually in quite a few Facebook groups uh, for different teams, mm. and I follow you know, what they say. And when this news came out, a lot of people were talking about uh, getting projectors and going to go see the game at the local park, mm. which that's obviously what they're trying to avoid with the AFL, and I'm worried yeah. that people will do that regardless. And the other thing that's worth worrying about is... Um, Ticket prices missing and memberships having to be compensated, yes. especially for teams that depend on memberships and aren't doing amazing financially like St Kilda. That, that's an excellent point you make, Jacob, because much of the AFL's revenue comes from those ticket prices and mm. people going to the games, paying to see them. It's not just you know advertising and TV revenue. So with that stream of income taken away, that means that the AFL will struggle to play the pay the players, mm. they'll struggle to uh, promote the game more, they'll struggle to uh, invest in rural and regional communities like they've been doing so diligently these past few years. So, yeah, it. I mean, at this stage it looks unlikely that it's going to happen and the AFL is continuing to let the crowds in, but it is possible. That, it is a worst-case yeah, scenario. It's not certain, but it is possible that it might happen there might not be anyone allowed into the gate because as we said at the top of the show the uh premier italian domestic soccer league the Serie A, mm. um they have announced that they're not going to be letting fans into their stadiums at all mm, yeah mm. i mean sport in italy has been uh, almost completely cancelled until the 3rd of april which yeah. that's terrifying and in japan as well they've uh, said that there's no crowds allowed at their baseball games mm, and this is obviously to uh, try and stem the, uh, I guess, infection uh, before the Olympics. Yes. But um, I think another worrying part of it, I was talking to a friend of mine about this, uh, what games does this, what weeks does this happen on? Because if this happens mm. on a week with a notable game, for example, the Anzac Day game oh, yeah. or um, the Indigenous uh, Week, mm. these are games and uh, events that are very, very hard to cover for, especially with an empty crowd. It's very hard to do... Uh, you know, a lap around the MCG and get that applause if there's no yes. one to clap. 
So, yeah, what happens in that scenario? Do they just play a montage on TV? Do they have people waving to the cameras? I mean, yeah. I mean, again, what happens if it happens in finals? Will people push that back? Mm. I I would personally, and I, I don't have any suggestions, admittedly, um, <laughs> but I would personally like to see the AFL put forward a few uh, plan Cs just in case uh, yeah. it happens during important moments. Um, unfortunately, I think the plan C could simply be um, either the... Uh, season might get cancelled if it gets bad enough or postpone the finals. So I think postponing the finals is, I think, something that would likely happen. I think that's probably where we're going to go with it. But if it gets really bad, I think there is the the possibility that the AFL could call off the season altogether because, as we mentioned, unless it's getting that revenue, that income, they can't host the games at these stadiums. Mm. And another one that comes to mind with the Frio scare... Mm. um, if the players are getting uh, hit with the virus, uh, not only is that two weeks out for a player, this is a virus that could spread through a team hmm. uh, and the, all, the whole team will have to be uh, quarantined and checked out immediately. Hmm. Um, how does that work? Because there has to be a level of um, protection and insurance for the players as well as everyone inside the teams, hmm. not just the, um, the fans and the spectators. That's there's, true. there's a lot of levels to this that uh, I don't think the AFL has prepared for in the way I wish they did. That's very, very true. Is there a possibility, Jacob, that because there is this scare with COVID-19 and the virus going around, that people will be less inclined to go to football games and will be potentially looking at empty stadiums anyway? Um, I want to say yes and I want to say no. Mm. Um, I feel like teams with a smaller fan base already Mm. uh, are probably looking at really, really bad seasons as it is. Yeah. But um, I reckon the rabid fan base is the uh, more the Victorian, you know, the the Collingwoods, the Richmonds, Mm. the Essendon uh, supporters, they will go out no matter what. True, true. Um, But I think it's inevitable to see especially if the um, scare and the um, coronavirus keeps getting blown up the way it does. Mm. Um, we're probably not going to get huge games for everything, and it's a little disappointing, to be honest. Mm. The reason why I brought that up was because it brings to mind the game, I think it was between Melbourne and Hawthorne last year. It was a wet Saturday. They were pretty low down on the ladder at this point, and I reckon there were only 10,000 people who showed up. And what she looking at... 10,000 people in an MCG grandstand. It's mm. not a pretty sight. There are oh, so no. many empty seats. I mean, I, I went to um, Geelong, Haw- uh, Geelong Hawthorne mm. last year, and um, it, for some, I'm not 100% sure why, but it was a very, very empty game. Same thing. But, um, yeah, the MCG just is not the same with an empty crowd. Mm. Absolutely. And, yeah, I'm worried that that will scare off uh, potential um, uh, supporters, uh, money coming in, all sorts, and you know, this could cause problems. I do have another solution, Jacob. What if the AFL played at smaller venues? What if they went back to, say, Princess Park or Windy Hill or uh, the Witten Oval to play games? I feel like that raises uh, another problem with, uh, as I said before, um, a lot of fans are ravenous and will go see these games. Okay. And if you put them at more accessible grounds, they're going to go there mm. uh, regardless and it's going to be easier for them to get there. I feel like the smarter idea, if we're doing it this way, is to hold it at the larger stadiums. Okay. Um, it is unfortunate, but it is what it is. Rightio. So, 
That just about wraps it up for Sports Desk on this Wednesday morning. We've, of course, talked about AFL, debated whether or not we can fill a stadium in the current climate. <laughs> but we also interviewed Jack Thiessen, who is the captain of RMIT University's tennis team, and that interview will be podcasted and made available at some point later today. We talked about the Formula One, the Melbourne Grand Prix. Um, please do check out our poll on our Facebook page. Yes, I'd love to see what people think. Forward slash Sports Desk S-Y-N, we do sincerely want to know your thoughts on that, and I think that it's still in the positive at the moment. I think so. Last time yeah. I checked, it was uh, mostly positive. Yeah, so mostly positive. It could lean towards negative, though. Who knows? You mm. know, you could be the deciding vote. Maybe maybe you voted negative. Maybe you want to move over and check it out. <laughs> and at the top of the hour, of course, we talked about the latest uh, soccer results from the European games with Jesse. Thank you again, Jesse, for coming in. Mm. And then there was cricket talk as well with the upcoming one-day international series against New Zealand with a very fatigued and tired Australian team. Good luck to them. <laughs> yeah, good luck. That's exactly right. Uh, Jacob, thank you very much for joining me again. Always a pleasure. Mm, always is. We'll be back on Friday at 9am with more Sports Desk. There's also the Monday show. And, of course, Jacob and I will be returning next Wednesday. Bye-bye.